here in Mexico City, everyone loves the ashalot, and the ashalot is the flag species and the standard for every type of things like sport teams. We have a lot of branding uh, market types of things that use the ashalot, and all the stuff is focused on the ashalot, but everybody forgets Xochimilco. So our mission or our goal is to communicate to the people that it's important uh, to work in the restoration of this place. Welcome to the Possibles. Possibles is now a partnership between Pelicanus and Reverse the Red. In this series, we will highlight the scientists, organizations, institutions, and communities focused on reversing the trend of biodiversity loss and recovering species on the IUCN Red List. We're so excited for this partnership and to get these amazing success stories out to the world, spreading optimism for the conservation of biodiversity. For this episode, as part of our year of action, the theme for April and May is amphibians. So we talk with Diana Vasquez, a biologist with the Universidad Nacional Autónoma de México, or UNAM. We wanted to learn everything there is to know about the famous axolotl, the ecological restoration of their habitats, and the social aspects of trying to save a species while strengthening the communities around them. So please enjoy our conversation with Diana. Diana, thank you so much for joining us on The Possibles. Can you please introduce yourself and tell us who you are and what you do? Hi, good morning. Thank you for having me today. My name is uh, Diana Vasquez, and I am a student of the postgraduate course in Sustainability Sciences. I am part of Dr. Zambrano's team at the Ecological Restoration Laboratory of the Institute of Biology of the National Autonomous University of Mexico. And uh, during the last years, I have dedicated myself to the study of the ecological restoration of Lake Xochimilco and the conservation of the Mexican axolot. Let's talk about axolotls. So one, that name is crazy to me. Is that like a, an Aztec, or I guess that would be Nahuatl, right? That's the language, Nahuatl? Yeah, Nahuatl. In Spanish, it's Nahuatl. <laughs> Nahuatl, okay. Yeah. Um, and so is that, does it come from that language? And I guess, what does it mean? Yes, uh, the first news about these iconic organisms go back to the writings of uh, one person called Fray Bernardino de Sagún in his work, uh, Historia Natural de las Cosas de la Nueva España, or New Spain uh, Natural History, uh, published in the middle of the 16th century, who recounts uh, the meaning of the ashalot in pre-Hispanic mythology, and it was considered as a remembrance of the deity Xolot, from who takes his name in Nahuatl, Ashalot, with means monster of water. So it's very interesting because it's very, very important as a cultural level in Mexico City. So can you kind of also de describe the species? Because if it's called a monster of water, and they do look pretty crazy, kind of yeah. describe the species, um, what, what do they eat, uh, why are they important, you know, all, all those kinds of things. Yeah, sure. Well, the ashalot species is Ambistoma mexicanum, and it's an endemic amphibian of Xochimilco. We can only look the ashalots at Xochimilco. Well, we have uh, 17 species of Ambistomas, uh, the, the gender, but Ambistoma mexicanum is currently only in Xochimilco. 
and it is distinguished by its cultural importance, both historical and current and biological, uh, which has led it to be considered an emblematic species of our country. That's why it's very important for us. And Ashelotus belong to the other Urodelo of the Ambistomatidae family, that it's um, a family which includes salamanders, and uh, they present a phenomenon called neoteny. And neoteny, it's like they reach sexual maturity with larval characteristics. So Ashelot seems like a babies, but they are adults, right? And, and they reach these sexual characteristics. Um, the ashelots, it reaches up to 30 centimeters of, of length, and they have a robust complexion. Um, in wild, we, we know and we saw that the ashelots in all the social media and all the places in the world are like these uh, pink ashelots. But in wild, uh, the ashalots, Mex uh, the Mexican ashalot uh, specifically, is gray, is like grayish brown or greenish, like like black or or gray. So they are beautiful in this color. And the pink one is uh, ashalot. It's um, like a mutation for the the color of the of the wild. And they we. Yes, we have pink ashelots, but the wild is green. And they have those kind of exposed gills that like also makes it look like a little baby dragon. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, it's, it's a very uh, special characteristic of our ashelots because we have a, a, another ambistoma, but this species in a specific, it's very, very characteristic for this type of uh, branches in, in the head. And also, you ask about the, the, the diet of the ashelots. Ashelots are strict carnivores, but their diet uh, varies um, through the development of the, of the animal. And in the laboratory, we have like 130 ashelots in our colony. And we provide them with live food so they can don't lose their hunting instinct. Uh, we feed uh, with tubifesk, uh, brine shrimps, uh, a little fishes called charales, and a little crayfish called acosiles. And charales and acosiles also are endemic species of uh, Xochimilco Lake. We, we actually were able to visit, uh, I don't know if you remember this, Taylor, when we were like, I was probably 10 or 11, but we went to Mexico City and I remember the, the flat boats that you go around in Xochimilco and you can like order people to come over and bring food and there's like people that have music. Yeah. And then when I saw that the axolotls actually lived there, that blew my mind. Yeah, well, Xochimilco is gorgeous, a gorgeous place. And um, well, um, the habitat of the axolot, the the native uh, habitat is, is Xochimilco, and Xochimilco is a lake. And it's a lake who um, nowadays uh, they have a lot of pressures like water dis uh, waste, waste, waste water discharge, urbanization of the introduction of a species, um, exotic species too, such as the carps and tilapia. But uh, 
despite all of these uh, pressures, we have a very beautiful ecosystem uh, characterized by Chinampas. And Chinampas is these uh, water islands um, and the Aztecs in the pre-Hispanic times um, produces a lot of crops to uh, feed the the city the citizens sorry for uh, Mexico City in that time. So nowadays we also have producers that uh, stay in the Chinampas and produce with uh, agroecological um, principles and. Uh, they uh, continue to feed all the, the citizens in, in Mexico City. And if I remember right, it's, it's a lake, but the whole city of Mexico City was kind of built on a wetland, right? Yes, that's right. I remember going into this, the, I think it's called the Zocalo, where that church is like sinking. <laughs> and then going over to Xochimilco, being like, oh, this is what it all used to look like. It was kind of a weird lake, kind of half freshwater wetland. Yes, in pre-Hispanic times, we had five lakes. And nowadays, we only have a little remnant in Xochimilco and uh, Zumpango Lake. Uh, we, we know, uh, based on scientific uh, studies, we only have 33% of the original uh, territory of the five lakes that we have. Wow. Yes. Um, it seems to me as if the... Uh, development and the reduction of habitat is the main driver for why they're uh, having issues, why they're... Uh... Actually, what is their status on the red list? Are they endangered? Yeah, they are endangered. Uh, uh, as, like uh, I said, we have a 17 species of ambisoma, uh, the gender, and nowadays uh, more of the 70% are endangered. And Mexican ashalot is in danger too. Um, the original distribution of the ashalot include the lake of Xochimilco and the lagoon of Chalco. Chalco was uh, another of the five lakes we had in the pre-Hispanic times. And however, both bodies of water was suffered uh, significant disturbances. In the case of Chalco, the lake was drained in the middle of the 19th century and also in the recent years, the lake system has reappeared, but we have a little, little part of the, the lagoon. One interesting fact is that in 1998, the first census um, told us that we had um, 6,000 ashalots per square kilometer. And the last census in 2014, we only have 36 per square kilometer. And this year we want to do another census and we are pretty sure that we have uh, less than 36, right, in, in wildlife. So I wanna talk about your guys' programs because the beginning you mentioned, you, you, know, you do, uh, you and your program do a lot of work on uh, the conservation of the actual species and a lot of the biology of it, yeah. but you also do restoration in Xochimilco. So can you talk a little bit about those programs that you guys are trying to uh, save these species, I guess? Yes, I love this. I love to share with you our work. And um, since our foundation in 2002, our objective has been to investigate the dynamics of the social ecosystems 
in order to work on scientific lines for the management and the restoration of these ecosystems. And also we generate theory about aquatic ecosystems, uh, but recently uh, we focused on urban ecosystems like Xochimilco. And we seek that the generation of knowledge uh, doesn't remain uh, within the universities and, the and it's very important the interaction between multiple actors in our country, uh, including decision makers, uh, citizens, in order to have a plural vision of the conservation issues in Mexico City. So Dr. Zambrano, at, at the beginning of the, the work in the laboratory and college, made a, a population viability analysis and determined that the best way to restore ashalot population is to increase the egg and the larval survival. So along with the uh, habitat restoration and, the, uh, and control the predators, in this case, carps and tilaps, um, and um, the, reintro the reintroduction of, of these ashalots in the habitat. So under this logic, um, they propose the creation of uh, one um, scientific uh, project called Chinampa Refuge Model. And Chinampa Refuge Model involving the in-situ conservation of the ashalot and uh, in which the organisms can carry out their life cycle without the threats uh, of the current conditions of Lake Xochimilco, such as urbanization, the ex exotic species, and the wastewater pollution. And the establish of this Chinampa refuge model seeks to build a symbiosis between this method, between the characteristic method of agricultural production in Xochimilco, which is the Chinampas, or in, in in Spanish, the, the production system, uh, it calls chinamperia, and that's all. We involve the conservation of the ashalot, uh, the conservation of this traditional agricultural uh, production system, and uh, the revalorization of the work of the farmer, right? Because they are a very, very important component of this project of ecological restoration. So to this way uh, of producing, uh, we have a, a plus value that is given to the agricultural products uh, like vegetables or uh, flowers, and they they can so they can sell them as free of agrochemicals and environmental friendly products. And with this form of production, they have a benefit potential for the farmers and for the conservation of the ashalots and its habitat, Xochimilco. So this Chinampa refuge model is very important because we follow a process all of these years that in general, I can share with you, consists in 10 points. Number one is the opening and rehabilitation of a pantless or of the secondary canals of the Chinampas because Chinampas are like these uh, uh, floating islands and we have water in, in the perimeter of the Chinampa so rehabilitate these canals. The stabilization of the slopes, we need to work in the, China, in the Chinampa with the, the, with the soil and with the structure of the Chinampa. Number three 
it's very important is the construction of biofilters. We use native aquatic plants and these plants act like a biofilter to reduce the contaminants in water like uh, heavy metals and microbiological uh, variables. Then we manufacture and placement agates. These biofilters uh, have a, like a gate because the objective is to not allow the exotic species enter in these canals, right? So we have in 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 the um, in the beginning of the canal and in the end we have these biofilters and gates, and that's why we control the water quality and the not enter to the exotic species. Then when we have this uh, refuge, we make an effort with the producers or the farmers to use fertilizants, uh, organic organic fertilizers to um, improve the, the, the quality of the products in the Chinampas. And we also in the Chinamperia work with traditional seed germination that it called in Spanish chapin. The, the chapin is the, um, the most representative characteristic of Chinamperia. Then when we have a, a good production, a good agroecological production and a good quality of the refuge, we, uh, the laboratory um, has the responsibility to monitoring and evaluation this water quality and this product quality and all the production system. Um, then we have another component that is volatility product that we, um, it means that we made analysis of the um, production quality, like the texture, the color, the flavor of the products. And uh, the, the, the step number nine, it's Etiqueta Chinampera. I will tell you later about this, uh, this project in specific. And then we are looking for financial sustainability. So Chinampa Refuge is not only a technical restoration uh, model, we have a lot of components that are involved in social uh, work with the people, with the farmer, but also with the people who uh, cares about Xochimilco. So uh, nowadays we are in the step number eight and nine, and we create this Etiqueta Chinampera and I will tell you later what is about this project. But in a general uh, picture, that's Chinampa Refuge project. Wow. Wow. That was, that was intense. Okay, so Taylor and I have talked to so many people about restoration, bringing species back, and every single successful project basically just let lay it out lays out exactly what you just said and so it seems as if all you guys need is just a little bit of time and it's that was amazing that's exactly what should be happening and i'm so excited that that is actually what's happening the fact that you're doing everything from the the hard science with the uh, water quality to actual habitat restoration to fixing the topography 
reducing exotics, and then also getting the community involved and making sure that their their uh, agricultural products are safe and while also still productive. Because if you know, if you just say, "Hey, we got to save these species," but you got to stop farming, and you know, good luck finding a way to feed your kids. What's the point of that? It's part of our work. It's it's hard because at the beginning we we only have biologists in the team, but then we realized that we need to work with another disciplines. And nowadays, Chinampa Refuge Model is like a transdisciplinary project because. We work with uh, economists and with another biologist and with uh, lawyers and with people and with sociologists. So we have a very, very interesting team. Yeah, and I love that it's called the uh, Janampa Refuge Model as, as, as if other organizations in other parts of the world could then use that model because it's right. a perfectly laid out 10-step system. Right. That's, that's awesome to hear. I, I, you know, I'll just second what Austin said. It's really wonderful that you have it laid out so um, logically um, and as a model for so many others to uh, recreate. Um, it makes me think, you know, in, in uh, as people are trying to rewild habitats around the world, um, you know, we're, we're picking from different philosophies and from different folks and and one of the the theories one of the philosophies that's um been used a lot is the idea of permaculture um and in a lot of permaculture uh approaches they look to um indigenous models and i've seen in a lot of permaculture approaches the use of chinampas the the trying to recreate chinampas all over the world um and it just makes me think, not only could the model of Chinampas itself be used, but maybe the model of Chinampas as wildlife restoration um, be used. So not just this permaculture component, and not just this wildlife rewilding, but then this massive uh, mixture of the social and the biological. And I just wanted to get your thoughts. How, how much do you think that this could be something, uh, the model that you are using, uh, how, can it be recreated globally? Or is it just specific to Mexico City? No, I think uh, all around the world, they, they can use the, the base of, of this type of, of restor uh, ecological restoration model. Um, Chinampas are a very productive system. and all around the world, the people want to make a similar like that. And as you said, uh, many people of all countries come here and write to us because they are interested in, in understand what happened in the Chinampas that make it possible for the restoration of this ecosystem uh, that have a lot of problems, not only social problems, not only environmental problems, problems, uh, also economic problems with local people. And I think because I saw in another countries, for example, in Colombia, I know they have like a similar system. I don't remember the name, but also they have this, um, this um, 
interesting uh, ways of uh, agricultural production and also they have these canals with water and also they have problems with the conservation of the biodiversity so they can uh, uh, take a look for this specific project in Mexico City and I think they can apply some principles to their problematics too. Yeah, it really opens up the thought of how we can have this nexus um, with, you know, ecology, sociology, economics, uh, feeding families, and so many of the stories that we've heard and of folks that we've talked to, like Dr. Gladys in Uganda, um, uh, down in the Pantanal, um, just of, of these really thinking that the way forward to protect these incredible species like the oxalato um, need to value the fact that a lot of the degradation of the habitat is not always on purpose. It's not always on purpose. It's usually as a um, an accident because people are trying to, well, one, just feed their families, but then two, trying to live within a system that isn't built to live within our natural processes. But that opens up the question for me is what happens when there is the non-accidents, uh, the, the on-purpose problems uh, for the axolotls? So for example, I'm seeing axolotls becoming pets uh, more and more. And I'm curious, what is your thought? Is, is that where does that come from? Is that people going out and grabbing them and putting them in their terrariums? Is that people growing them? What is that relationship between your work and axolotls becoming pets around the world? Well, that's a very good question, and I think it's a problem. And we have, for from our laboratory, we all we always have a, a a very important thing to share with you, and it's for us. The conservation of one species is not the conservation is not the real conservation of any species if you don't work in the restoration of his habitat. People think that if you have a nashalot in an aquarium, that's conservation. And we don't think like that, right? And we have in Mexico species we have a problem because all the people focus in the animal and not in the habitat. So I, it's very difficult for us and for the laboratory. One of the biggest missions is to make sure that people know that if we want as a city to conserve this uh, endangered species, we need to work in Xochimilco and we need to care about this habitat. Well, we see it in California. Uh, the California grizzly is on the California flag. And yeah. I've seen that in Mexico the, on the, the new bills. Um, yeah. The, the axolotl is on the bills. And it's such an interesting relationship because, well, hell, I've got it. I've got one on my notebook, um, okay. you know, where I keep notes. Um, and so it's this interesting relationship. We want to celebrate we want to promote we want to get excited about these animals charismatic or not but then what happens to the actual conservation and what happens to do we are we you know the term the the phrase that we use here is do we love the species to death 
are we loving the habitat to death? And that can become such a problem. And I would imagine right. it's the case with the axolotl too. Uh, here in Mexico City, everyone loves the axolot. And the axolot is the flag species and the standard for every type of things like sport teams we have in the build. We have a lot of branding uh, market types of things that use the axolot. And all the stuff is focused on the axolot, but everybody forgets Xochimilco. So our mission or our goal is to communicate to the people that it's important uh, to work in the restoration of this place too. That kind of leads me to my next question about uh, Reverse the Red. You know, we're, as part of our partnership, we're highlighting these positive stories and as we've learned, your your guys' story is a very positive story. Uh, you know, as you said, the, the species isn't doing so great, but the fact that you guys are there every day, and it's not just you, it's a huge network right. of people. How, how do you feel being part of this global program to reverse the red? How When you're actually trying to literally reverse the red for this one species? Well, for me, it's an honor to have the privilege to stay uh, close of this ecosystem. Nowadays, I am very happy. I am very proud to 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 work with this team, and well, in both of the parts. As a as a scientist, because I know my responsibility, or one of my responsibilities is to share this information with the citizens and to try to communicate and to share this knowledge because I think people can do individual, individual actions too. And in the other hand, as a citizen, I'm very proud of Xochimilco Lake, right? And that in Mexico City, that we are 9 billion people in the city, we have nowadays such a beautiful ecosystem like that. Yeah, it's a real, it's a real gem in the right. major metropolis, yeah. And so part of this um, uh, Reverse the Red uh, uh, partnership is the global action plan that we're trying to get everyone engaged. Uh, you know, obviously we want to hear about your story and hear about the, the axolots, but I also we also want to hear about or learn how us as just regular people around the world, not necessarily in Mexico City, how can people get involved wherever they are? Well, that's a question that uh, frequently people ask to us. How can they help to the conservation of the ashalot? So for the local people, it's very clear. The, the form that they can involve is one, uh, to, to share this information about the chinampas and the farmers that are, are working on agroecological uh, systems. And then we recently launched Adopt Ashalot. Adopt Ashalot is an international fundraising campaign that seeks to involve citizens in the conservation of the Ashalot. Not only Mexican citizens, uh, citizens all around the world that care about the Ashalot and its habitat. So anyone who is interested in the Ashalot can donate. And we have a donation scheme. Um, we have this uh, virtually adoption scheme, but also with $10, you can invite a dinner for an ashalot. So with this donation, we can cover uh, food and uh, also 
medicine for the ashlots of our colony. And with $50, $50 you can help us to pimp up the, his house. Like it uh, involves all the maintenance uh, stuff to, to make sure that the Chinampa refuge are in good conditions, right? And then if you want to donate more resources, you can adopt a national, or also you can adopt his house virtually for a month, six months, or a year. So depending on your contribution, you can receive information, informative posters, postcards, stickers, and you can put whatever you want, uh, the name you want to the Ashlot. And also we send you uh, like a registration card with the name you choose for the Ashlot, the characteristics of the Ashlot, and also the role in your colony, because Ashlots in our colony have roles. For example, we have moms and dads that, that are the reproductive ashlots in our colony. We also have the rock stars, and the rock stars ashlots in our colony are these ashlots that we um, we use or we take for the social media because every day uh, we have a lot of uh, emails about social media. They want to go, they want to take pictures, so we have rock star ashlots. And also we have Explorer Ashlots because at the UNAM, we have a plan B. Our main goal is to save Xochimilco. But if we have a terrible panorama and we can't save them, we are working in a plan B. And the plan B is to, to create an artificial ecosystem in some place in uh, Ciudad Universitaria or in the global in the global campus at UNAM and we have our artificial lakes so we have also ashlots that are in that artificial lakes so you can involve in adopt ashlot and we invite you to donate and to make part of these type of programs of conservation for the biodiversity so what is it that you like, why did you become interested in conservation work? How did you get to the point where you're at? Is it something that you always grew up loving? Oh, yes. All my life, I have been a sensitive person with any time, any form of life. I love animals. I love plants. I love nature. And I started uh, like an environmental activism until I realized that I really need scientific base that will allow me to take informed and support decisions to get involved effectively in the conservation work, right? So then I decided to be a biologist and I am uh, um, specializing in sustainability. But all of my life, I was committed to uh, work uh, for the protection of the environment. I love it. So are you are you from Mexico City or are you, did you kind of come in? Right, no, I'm from Mexico City. So this is a very home uh you're protecting your home right and coming up in your career did you have any inspirational uh figures uh you know for us it was like steve Irwin, the crocodile hunter you know <laughs> oh, is yeah. there anybody like that in your life <laughs> well i don't remember any particular inspiration but i just remember that as a kid i used to watch some cartoons that talk about conservation like i don't know if you know sabu mafu it's a program of two biologists that talk about the species and the conservation, and I love it. 
And today I can say that many people inspire me, but especially Greta Thunberg. She makes me feel that I, I can continue to make an effort and raise my voice for Xochimilco and we can achieve a great change in the ecosystem, not only in my local ecosystem, um, just around the world. So for me, it's a great inspiration because one day I hope I can be some activism and scientific like her. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think you're already there and hopefully people that are watching this can look up to you. And I guess along those same lines, like we said, this is a, a very personal project where you're trying to literally protecting right. your home. Right. And as you said, it's, it's a very difficult process. So I can imagine that with all the different aspects that you talked about of, of uh, the you know, protection of Milko, how is it that you can continue to keep uh, hope and optimism moving forward? Because without any hope, I can't imagine that you would uh, want to keep yeah. going. Yes, well, for me, optimism matters because it is the only way we have to not give up, right? To stay focused on our conservation objectives. Uh, but what I think matters most is when this individual optimism is shared with the community that has the same goals of us, not only scientifics, uh, also local people of, of, uh, of the ecosystem. And you don't need to be a scientist or a researcher to be concerned and want to act. So we are millions of people of our, around the world that uh, want a better future for our future generations or, and for us. And despite the fact that uh, the general look is hopeless in Xochimilco, it motivates me to find uh, college and people like you that are concerned about the environment and the conservation of the biodiversity. And as a scientist, one of our, our I, I talk about all of the team because one of our great missions is to share this knowledge in a simple way to society and realize that people care and they look to us every day uh, to know how to support this uh, conservation program. Not uh, as, I, as I said uh, before, not only in Mexico, but in all countries of the world. And this is one of my higher hopes, right? So that's why I stay motivated each day with this project. Everything you guys have, or you have just explained about your whole program has shown that you're building those resources and that attitude. And so that's what gives me hope is that you guys are there and just killing it. You guys are doing such a great job. And I feel, I feel hope for the future of Social Milko and this species because of what you and your team are doing. So thank you so much. <laughs> no, thank you to you. Diana, thank you so much. That was amazing. Uh, you guys are amazing. The fact that you know, the, all the work you guys are doing is so cool. Thank you for having me. You can visit our work in restauracionecologica.org slide adopciones. But I want to say thank you to, to write to us because you want to share the work that we do. And that's a difficult part because we have presence in Mexico City. People, uh, I, most of the people knows about our work but the international part is difficult and like podcasts like you, 
we can share our work. So thank you so much. Thank you again to Diana for talking with us and sharing the amazing story of the axolotl and how they're trying to save it. Please check out their website at restauracionecologica.org and consider adopting an axolotl of your own. And follow them on social media at restauracionecologica underscore. Hosts and producers are Austin and Taylor Parker. Producers are Megan Joyce and Dr. Judy Mann. Images of the axolotl in the lab are provided by Vivian Ruiz. Images of the chinampas of Xochimilco were provided by Basilio Rodriguez, Claudia Medina, Crescencio Hernandez, Julio Mora, and Pedro Mendez. The graphic of the axolotl was provided by our partners at Peppermint Narwhal. Visit them at peppermintnarwhal.com and find them on social media at, at peppermintnarwhal. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time.